0: Welcome back to Cruise Competes Cruise Podcast, where we share tips, ideas, and inspiration to help make your next cruise a fantastic experience. I'm your host, Bob Levenstein. Today, we'll be talking with a legend in the small ship cruise business, Captain Dan Blanchard, CEO and owner of Uncruise Adventures. Dan has spent years traveling the world. He's explored winding waterways, combed beaches, and sailed the world in search of incredible wildlife and cultural encounters. His passions for cruising and for the wildlands and native cultures of Alaska have culminated in Uncruise Adventures, the small ship adventure cruise line he owns and helms. Today, we'll be talking with Dan about how new protocols for the resumption of cruising will change the cruise experience, and of course, about small ship cruising in Alaska in general. We'll be right back with Dan, right after this. Cruisecompete.com is a simple concept. We give you the tools to find the perfect cruise and request quotes. Independent travel agents can then see your requests, and they respond with the best custom cruise offers they can, all competing to offer you the best deal. You compare these offers in one convenient place, along with consumer ratings and reviews of the agencies. As only the best agents survive in this competitive environment, you'll have some great options to choose from. You then remain anonymous unless or until you decide to contact an agent by phone or by email to ask questions or to book. Find out why more than a million cruisers are members of our free, unique service and start saving both time and a significant amount of money on your cruise vacation via Cruise Compete today. Welcome back. My guest today is Captain Dan Blanchard, CEO and owner of UnCruise Adventures. Dan, welcome to the program.
1: Well, it's great to be here, Bob. I'm not sure I live up to the legendary comment in your intro, but I'll take it.
0: Uh, Well, you know, uh, you are are definitely well-known throughout the industry, and I've heard a whole lot of good things.
1: Well, thank For, you. For
0: uh, those of our listeners who may be less familiar with UnCruise Adventures, what what's an un, what is the UnCruise experience like?
1: Well, you know, Bob, it is a, like many cruise experiences. We're all a little different from each other, right? And UnCruise, mm-hmm. uh, just by name, defines itself as quite a bit different than a typical cruise. So, first of all, you know, our cruises are are small groups, uh, as little as twenty-two aboard one of our private family charter yachts with most of our boats in the 60 to 80 passenger range. Um, so the big difference is the, the number of guests and a high crew complement, but probably the, the thing that really sep- separates uncruised from typical cruising is that we're really more, kind of envision us as like a sea lodge. Uh, take a, a the most beautiful lodge you've ever thought of in the mountains at a ski resort or a backcountry lodge and put that on a boat and do a hub and spoke all day long in the wilderness and that is Uncruise adventures
0: that sounds amazing especially right about now when we've all been cooped up quite a bit
1: yeah i think we're all feeling that aren't we i know i am uh i've been uh, my wife and i have been going on uh san- sanctuary sundays into the mountains to, to keep ourselves sane during these covid periods
0: nice and your um, your cruises really are geared to more, more active adventures, right?
1: Well, it is, yes. Um, so our cruises generally are, you know, everywhere from just very light adventure to a little bit harder adventure. Uh, there's a whole plethora of activities available from really folks that might be fairly sedate. Maybe it's, you know, grandparents taking grandchildren on a trip. Or the grandparents might go on a skiff ride or a beach stroll, and the kids might, you know, climb a mountain or go on an all-day kayak. So even though we have, a, you know, variety of adventure, it allows for, you know, folks that uh, may may just want to chill and read a book in the hot tub and watch the whales go by to those that want to get sweat on their brow.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you, for me, the uh, if I'm not tired at the end of the day from uh, hiking further than I should have or... Uh, you know, using muscles that I've forgotten about to try to kayak. It's uh, its not, a, it's, it hasn't been a great day, but that's one of the great things about cruising in general. It's its not monolithic. You get to pick your adventure. You get to pick what you want to do that day, and all of your options, you know, are laid out there right for you.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Basically, you know, the night before, we people take their adventure order during happy hour, and uh our our guides come around and talk to them about what they're looking for in the next day and that might mean you know a an early morning kayak that that just goes out and watches for birds or or starts out on an all-day trip where it it could be you know mean making up at uh, 10 o'clock having a quick bite and and going out for a paddleboard for a couple hours so it's it it varies quite a bit even on our boats the activity level and And availability of activity.
0: That that customization sounds great. Although, if if it were me, I'm not sure I'd want to uh, make my order for the next day during happy hour. I might uh, (laughs) decide on something that's a little beyond my capabilities. Uh, I've got a story about a a, uh, 20k race that I ended up signing up for the night before because they had drinks at the uh, uh, at the uh, you know the meeting uh, the night before the race that I was just down with some friends. (laughs) But uh, it all sounds really wonderful, especially right now, just to get out in the great outdoors.
1: Yeah, um, well, that's a hilarious example, by the way. I love that. <laughs>
0: um, one of the biggest questions I think people have is how the cruise experience is going to change when we return to sailing. Uh, I guess the first question is, with a new announcement from the CDC, um, when when do you think uh, that will be for UnCruise?
1: Well, we're targeting April in Alaska. Um, Uh You know, we feel that uh, not only with the CDC announcement, which we view as very positive, um, that it's gonna take time for testing to get in place, it's gonna take time for the market to return. We've found as we've had different experiments with operating over the last six months, that, you know, once people get the word of a sailing happening, it really takes four to six weeks for that to gel in with them and then start to begin to book again. So, you know, my hope for the travel industry and for my company specifically is that as we get into, you know, November, December, early January, that we've seen a big shift in the tide on specifically on rapid, reliable, and regular testing. I like to call it the the three R's. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, I, I think that uh, the likelihood that we're all going to see a successful spring and summer season is very good.
0: Yeah, the, um, I'm very encouraged by what's been going on in Europe with the testing on MSC, what they've been doing. Uh, I guess there was a little bit of a scare on some boat, but then it all came back that every single uh, positive was a false positive. Um, so that I think all all bodes very well for the future. In in a normal year, though, how, how late do you, how late do you guys sail?
1: Well, we do sail year round. We have vessels that operate uh, down south in Panama, and Costa Rica, and Hawaii as well uh, during the winter months, as well as the Gulf Coast. But our Alaska operations, uh, we for many, many for decades have been the longest seasonal operator in Alaska. We generally start in the first week of April and wrap up in the first week of October.
0: Oh, nice. I, um, you know, boy, the the weather can certainly change up there fast. I remember a trip I did to Alaska. Uh, I've got a buddy who's got a cabin up on a lake uh, near Denali that you have to fly into. And looking at the picture, I took a whole lot of pictures that week. And just in the pictures, you can see the snow creeping closer and (laughs) closer and closer down the mountains. uh, Just as that week went on. Uh, but, yeah. you know I've always thought of you guys as an Alaska line. Tell, tell me more about the, about some of your southern adventures.
1: Well, we actually, of course, started in Alaska. That's my home and, and where we started in 1996. But in 2000, we started to branch out. We started traveling to Mexico, Sea of Cortez. Uh, we've been down there since. Uh, of course, the Columbian Snake River uh, is a very popular fall destination during the crush. Uh, Washington State, uh, is really, that one is really coming a lot. It's amazing how much activity we're getting on our all Washington Pacific Northwest itinerary. And then we, uh, about uh, 2010, we, we started operating in Hawaii and 2000, I guess it was, uh, 14 or so, we started going down to Panama, Costa Rica, and such. So it's been a while, uh, but Alaska is always our bread and butter. It's where all our boats work and, uh, you know, is our mainstay for sure.
0: Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about your history with Alaska and what you love the most about it and how it kind of led to the creation of UnCruise?
1: Yeah, you know it's really interesting. I was in the cruise industry. I was uh, a vice president of operations for another small ship cruise line, and I went out, uh, I went out sailing for three years with my family in our forty-foot sailboat across the Pacific. And I, wow. I came back to my job, and uh, this was in the you know mid '90s. Uh, I came back to my job, and you know at that point that was a small ship cruise line that was just going to small ports. There was no real difference between. Uh, it uh, That small ship line and a big ship line, just the port wow. calls. And wow. I had just finished this epic, epic time with my family, and it just wasn't satisfying anymore to to just do port calls. And, and that was kind of also at the time where the adventure travel trade really just started catching on fire. Uh, it was kind of a change between the World War II generation and the baby boomers, And the boomers wanted to get out and touch and feel Uh and smell. And uh, so we we started American Safari Cruises, was the original name of UnCruise Adventures, which we changed in late 2012. And it was all based on, not on port calls, not what was on the boat, but everything off the boat. And uh, so that, you know, Alaska was the perfect place to start for that. I had uh, first traveled to Alaska in my early 20s for work. Uh, I grew up in the Seattle area, and it was very common for people to go work up in the different fishing lodges, or particularly back then it was about the canneries, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. processing plants. And uh, and I first, uh, you know, worked up in Alaska in my 20s and then went up and started as a captain in Glacier Bay, in 1986 and and that literally changed my life you know 97 days with a park service naturalist standing right next to me sharing the the wonders of the natural world and glacier bay it 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 literally changed my life
0: wow favorite animal
1: Oh my gosh, depends on, on the time of day, but I saw a great video of <laughs> a great video that a friend posted uh, today of a bear that was in downtown Juneau wandering around last night. And wow. uh, it's, so right now, that was my, is my favorite. It was a big, big black bear, and it went right up next to my, my buddy Jared's uh, Narrows Bar and was trying to get in. It was just uh, hilarious to me this morning. Oh,
0: uh, it's amazing it's a uh, it's really a different world up there and it um you know i think one of the the great things about about travel is it takes you out of your own reality and it takes you out of your own head and it just you know expands your mind to the to the incredible world that uh that we live in out there um for some of your um for your non alaska cruises for the ones down south in say panama um or that air or um uh sia cortez what's uh what for you is the big, is the biggest attraction of that? What's the best? What are the best things that you do with the guests?
1: Well, you know that's that's a really good question, and I have to kind of harken back to Alaska because we always use the experience we have in Alaska as the litmus test for wherever we go. So if it doesn't have an element of adventure, nature, education, and most of all laughter, it's okay. just not going to happen. And in Panama, uh, for instance. You know, everyone thinks about Panama as the canal zone, but Panama uh-huh. is so much more than the canal zone. That
0: Gamboa area is, is, oh, is amazing.
1: Gamboa, and, and you know, you get off into uh, the San Blas or Gunayala, as it's called, now right. islands. Yep. And,
0: uh-huh. I
1: mean, it is amazing how Panama, it, around the canal, it is very developed, but you get outside the canal... And it is as wild and as woolly as Alaska. So places like Panama, we all know about Costa Rica. I mean, they've just done such a fabulous job of protecting the land in Costa Rica. Um, so those aquatic parks that we go to in Costa Rica, the marine parks and preserves, are just prolific. And and of course, the Galapagos, we all know about the Galapagos. I don't need to to sell that one to you. But the important thing is is that they have those elements that a person can go on a trip in Alaska and go to the Sea of Cortez, for instance, and be in a place that is just as wild and remote and a feeling of just being alone in nature. It's it's a good Uh thing.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Um. Yeah, and I think, and uh, I get the uh, the message because that that's, must be the the uncruise part of the name.
1: Yeah, it's the antithesis. You know, we did a lot of work on that name prior to actually taking it on. We we salt and peppered our our information with, and you know, for years with the term uncruise, and it was really our past guests that pushed over the top. They said, you know. You are a cruise, you have to have that in your name, but you guys are so different. you gotta come up with something and uh, of course, it was the generation that rem- you remember the uncola right right, yeah, so
0: yeah, I'm metal old, <laughs> okay, good <laughs> <And then> some- <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I get it it's um, but the um any uh, entrepreneurs out there listening you've just got a got a master class in. You listen to your people. If you're going to make a big decision, is it like a name change, uh, you do it gradually. You prepare people for it, uh, and you know you really focus on your uh, on your branding and on you know how to communicate what it is that you're offering that's different out there. And that's uh, that's all just brilliant. Uh, speaking of um, you know speaking of management, um, so what what's gone on behind the scenes uh, with your company? In response to this whole uh, this whole crisis, and um, how have you handled it, and uh, and what are some of the stories that come out of that?
1: Well, I think with all of us, there's you know what 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 we do for our living and and what we do in our personal lives. And my, I'll, I'll go with the personal real quick here first. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, we found ourselves into. Sundays being our sanctuary or sanctuary Sundays. And uh, we go up in the mountains, we hike every Sunday because we're working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week. And we found that, you know, this wasn't like a blip on the screen, COVID. This was lasting a long time. And we yep. finally got to the point we realized our own mental health was super important. So I would say to anyone out there, take care of yourself first. And uh, then you can take care of others. So from a personal standpoint, uh, we're getting up in the mountains a lot, whether it be outside Juneau or in Seattle. But the, uh, <clears throat> from a business standpoint, this has been a, an interesting time because there's really, if, if, if you look at it, most travel businesses in the United States are seasonal. And if you sit there and look at the fact that many of those travel businesses are going to go 14 months with no income or very little income, you realize the challenge is huge. Most companies are not prepared to go 14 months with absolutely no revenue. Nope. and But yet that has been the case for the vast majority. So what we did early on is we realized that we had a big challenge in front of us that particularly U.S. flag small ship operators were going to be challenged. Uh, You know, high capital costs. We still have to pay for those boats. We still have to maintain them. So we created um, a small ship coalition of eight companies uh, in the United States that operate U.S. flag overnight vessels. And that was really one of the first steps. And, you know, part of that was to really – uh, say, hey, U.S. business community, U.S. government, there is a U.S. flag industry because there was a time when Congress was talking about absolutely no stimulus funding going to mm-hmm. any cruise ent- any entity, and mm-hmm. we knew we needed a carve out. So, you know, it, uh, it threw different, many different. Iterations and working with Congress, we've, we've been able to be included in those stimulus packages, which have kept kept these companies alive. And um, so that's just one. You step. could have sent a float, you know. I could have sent a float. <laughs> literally, as I look out over my boats, all sitting up here, they, they all look like they're in the barn right now. They're all stacked right uh-huh. up next to each other. Um, but yeah, keep us afloat, literally. Yeah. And and you know I'm I'm thankful that we have a a government that does listen that we did have a, a PPP um, and that there may be another one coming up here soon. So
0: yeah, that's looking pretty good, I think.
1: Yeah, it had just switched and got encouraging in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I hope that well for you guys there is a I think there's a maximum number of employees are going to throw on the second round. At least that's been that's been bandied about.
1: So. Yeah, and there was on the 1st as well, and uh, which we are under, and, and right now we're looking like we're going to be under the average 350. Um, oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, they average it out over the year. So during the summer, mm-hmm. for instance, Uncruise employs about 430 to 450 employees, but mm-hmm. you balance that out over the winter, and we still fit the criteria.
0: Oh, got it. Oh, well, that's great news. I'm glad to hear that for you. Yeah. What? Um, speaking of your employees, uh, what? What kind of? How do? You, how have you been getting helping to get them through this?
1: Oh boy, Both it's been a bit, and you yeah. know, I, I think you know the best thing we've done is we have our our weekly Zoom meetings, and you know it's kind of funny we used to not be able to get all our staff weekly or monthly or even annually in one room. And this whole idea of Zoom has actually changed the feel. I mean, our outside sales folks that are, you know, a thousand miles away are right with us every week. So, you know, one of the benefits of COVID-19 is we're actually a better company in the sense that I think we're more unified. Um, Now, just like all businesses in the travel and hospitality, we've had to face layoffs. Uh, but we're just, we're hoping in the next couple of weeks, as we, we think we've reached the bottom of the cycle here, that we're going to start bringing back some of our, our furloughed folks.
0: Oh, that's crazy here. I'm sure they'll be excited about that.
1: Oh, I think uh, I'm yeah, you be know, more excited we do, than them. Um,
0: Cruise, I don't know, you know much about Cruise Compete, but we've been, a, a, a in a sense, a virtual company from day one. Um, funnily enough, with all of the hundreds of travel agencies who are our members, there was a time, I think maybe, you know, I may have met a handful of the agencies, agents, um, face to face in 17 years. I'm sorry, yeah, 17 years. God, it's
1: horrible. wow. Uh,
0: and it was, you know, I had known uh, one of my partners, uh, Heidi Shane, who's, uh, um, you know, has been with, been, uh, one of the co founders of the, uh, of the business. Uh, I had known her for, uh, probably three, four years before I went into business with her. Um, but we were in business together for two years before we met face-to-face. Wow. Wow. So it's um, sort of, it, it's it's kind of funny watching sort of the rest of the world catch up and realizing that, you know, you can do stuff over the phone and you can do stuff on video conferencing and you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be face-to-face. People can work from home and, have, uh, and be productive. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to some of these cities where the big attraction is you work here because your job is here, right? Uh, I mean, you live here because your job is here. When you don't have to pay San Francisco rents or New York City rents, uh, you know, there are people in California, you know, even I, I lived out there many years ago, but even then you had what they called super commuters who would, you know, spend, drive an hour and a half so they could have a nice suburban home and work in Silicon Valley or San Francisco. Now the companies are finally realizing I don't need these people to be here. And in fact, in a lot of ways it's a disadvantage to me to have these people here uh, as a company. It's gonna be fascinating to see what happens over the next five years.
1: Oh yeah, I, and we're already seeing this uh, in Seattle where I'm at right at the moment, and uh, where a lot of people are moving out of town and moving uh, to Whidbey Island or the San Juans or to Idaho and uh, because, you know, their businesses, the businesses they work for or they own have found that they can be remote and and be even more effective.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you can pay that person less and they will still end up, you know, making netting more money by not having to pay, say, California taxes, you know, or the cost of commuting uh, or, you know, the cost of living in some of these places.
1: Yeah, that's really it's true. Down. You know, well, and one other thing along that line that we've have done, we've been updating during this quiet period a lot of our information technology, and mm-hmm. uh, we switched the whole company over to Teams uh, sometime in April or May. And, oh, my gosh, just the great communication tools that are available mm-hmm. uh, that make email just seem like, you know, it, it's the pen and paper.
0: Right, right. Amazing. Um, so, you have a relationship with some of the uh, some of the native tribes in Alaska.
1: Well, I do. I um, uh, for a long, long time. I mean, the the primary uh, native group that I'm involved with are the Southeast Alaskan Clinkett natives. And uh, been very close there, as well as the Haida and Simshin that are in Southeast Alaska. But uh, yeah, I am actually was adopted a number of years ago into the uh, the Orca or Killer Whale House of the Tlingit, uh Tribe, and uh, yeah, so it's that's got to be a very great story. Involved. How
0: did that come about?
1: Well, you know, it's it, it, first of all you have to understand that in most Indigenous peoples with most indigenous peoples, excuse me, Um, adult adoption is not an unheard of thing. In fact, it's very, very common. Uh, Uh It isn't in European society, uh, but it Uh is in native culture. And so I had uh, a friend, uh, I would call him a a brother in in every way, uh, except through blood, that uh, I've known for many years. He's about 20 years older than I am. And he uh, he was adopting his uh, children's spouses and, uh-huh. uh, and the governor of the state and in- included me oh. <laughs> and asked me if I wanted to be adopted. And, uh, of course, I did and had, had always honored that whole, you know, thing of being adopted as an adult. And uh, so we had a, a huge potlatch, uh, massive, hundreds and hundreds of people. We raised totem poles. And. That was a number of years ago in Ketchikan now, um, but uh yeah i my heart and soul, and uh I would even say literally I'm adopted clinket mm-hmm. and I believe it it uh, somehow runs in my blood, even though it it really doesn't
0: do you have um uh, many uh, many natives working uh, working for the company?
1: Uh, seasonally, yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, up in Alaska. We, we, there's a, a fairly significant native population, and uh, particularly, what we find is a lot of college students will come and work during the, the summer months and then move on. But it's a, it's a mix of all Alaskans. It's not particularly native or particularly Caucasian. Yeah,
0: but that's got to be a great, you know, additional experience for your passengers your guests, you know, to get to, you know, speak directly with uh, with with natives that uh, have different experiences, different culture, different background, and, you know, start to learn some things that way that uh, you wouldn't encounter on a normal, well, certainly not a normal cruise. Uh, you know, one of the great things, I think, one of the best things, I think, about cruising is just the people that you meet, whether they're part of the crew or they're the other passengers. What? Uh, how would you characterize some of the passengers on Uncruise?
1: You know, I would, uh, in the broad sense, kind of their psychographic is uh, they've always been adventurers. They might have been, uh, you know, they were probably the type that during college uh, went to Europe on 20 bucks a day or something like that. Um, You know, maybe they weren't always outdoor adventurers, but they were adventuresome mindset And uh, the type that, you know, I I like to make the uh, comparison. Their parents were really happy to stand on the bow of our boat with a cognac in their hand and toast the glacier. But Uh they, as a group, and I'm talking, you know, our primary client is 55 to 70. um, I would say that they they were not satisfied with Uh toasting the glacier. They had to get up and touch the glacier. They have to. Feel the cold on their face, and if, if there's a chance to hop on top of it and walk on the glacier, they're going to do it. So, I, you know, I would say adventure some hearts that uh, uh-huh. where laughter. I mean, is you know, the great tea. thing
0: about that is you get all the stories for all the different places they've been. You know, you get your uh, you get stuff you add it to your bucket list. You yeah, know, you hear a loving description of of where they've been, some place you may not have heard of or you've heard of but never thought about traveling there.
1: That is so true, and uh, you know whether you call it the bucket list or just experiential travel or or whatever, it it has to have the the element of touch and laughter and education, and that's what our guest really gets excited about. So when we work with you know travel agents or the industry as a whole, you know trying to make sure we get that right guest that's going to be happiest on our product is is very very important.
0: It's funny you mentioned you know touch and glacier in the same sentence. For me, the, as, soon, as soon as somebody mentions uh, glacier, uh, what comes to my mind is that feeling when you put the crampons on and you start crunching up the crunching up the glacier. That feeling of like stepping on on you know big crunchy fall leaves, or it just that 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 feeling just brings back the whole. The thinking about that feeling brings back the whole experience for me.
1: Oh, Bob, you and I. Literally in the same boat on that one, brother. <laughs> you know, and the funny the thing is,
0: metaphors. I like it.
1: Oh yeah, well, I was actually cleaning out my storage just a couple days ago, and, and and as you know, you know crampons are different for different purposes. You know, you have sure, yeah, and and the the ones you the crampons you want for going across a glacier are different than what you would use to go up an ice wall. Well, anyway, I found my my old set that I use when I'm crossing the top of the glaciers, and this was just yesterday. So it's so funny you would mention that.
0: So when do you think we'll we'll be back to normal in the cruise business overall? All ships sailing, all ports open.
1: Well, normal is always a, a subjective thing, but you know I sure. think that uh, you know I think it's going to be twenty two before things are back to uh, an even keel completely. Uh, another nautical another metaphor. Another <laughs> metaphor.
0: You know. We but, should, have, should have announced at the beginning that uh, that you know you have to take a shot every time you uh, you get a, a ship metaphor.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, shot across the bow even. And uh, <laughs> but the uh, you know it, it's our feeling that we have a good good chance at a successful season coming up. Um, based on the changes that are happening in the three R's—reliable, mm-hmm. rapid, and regular testing—and that is moving quickly as we've all been reading. Uh, I'm a real believer, and you know we're pushing our delegations in Alaska, Washington, Idaho, and Oregon to really uh, insist that we nationalize testing in transportation hubs. If that happens, we will see a major opening of the door. If we don't have a nationalized testing program, uh, we're gonna struggle as a country. That can absolutely guarantee it. And so to me, and in in my message to Congress and to all the entire travel industry is, we've just gotta get this nationalized testing in place. And fortunately, in the last two weeks, People are starting to talk about it, and uh, so I to answer your question, we're looking forward to starting in April in our home in Alaska. Um, I think that we're probably gonna, you know, we're probably gonna operate all our boats, um, it, but we're prepared, and, you know, we have plan A, B, and C, right? And uh, right, well, so you know, yeah, you have you've to. Been a big black
0: swan, and know yeah. and you, you know, it's a good lesson to everybody that you can't take anything for granted. Uh. Not just in this business, but in life in general.
1: Yeah, that's very true, and you have to have the multiple level plans uh, on how you're going to execute, uh, not knowing what what we're really going to have in April and May. But uh, certainly, you know, we we feel that and have felt for a long time that January was going to be an or is going to be an inflection point for mm-hmm. the industry for the summer. And if we're in right. a good place in January, I think we we stand to have our first good recovery year
0: sure the thing uh, the thing that, that's really encouraging about the possibility of uh, of sailing starting in november even if it's just a handful of ships even if it's uh, you know they're not sailing at uh, at full capacity just the ability to demonstrate that yes this can be done you know you got a lot of advantages as a cruise ship it's it's a controlled environment you know you know who's getting on and getting off You've got a lot of eyes out there that can be trained to look for you know anything to be worried about, um, and the fact that they, they've had so much success in Europe already, I think is is a very very positive um, is a very positive thing. And you know for you guys especially, you're not taking people to big cities. You're taking people out to nature. You're not going to catch you know COVID from a moose or a grizzly bear. <laughs> Although if you're close enough to the moose or the grizzly bear to catch covid, you you've got bigger problems. <laughs> we're, we're we're probably in a bad spot anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well,
1: you know, we we like to joke amongst ourselves that we've been uh, socially distancing since 1996. And there you uh, go. You know, yeah. because we you're right, we're not uh, ports are only where we we board and depart the vessel. Mhm. And uh, so that's, that's very true to us. But I think that, you know, what is happening in Europe is really good. When we uh, experimented with operating here in August, late July, you know, we had a single uh, false positive. And the, the pressure at that point and the slow retesting, which was three to five days, shut the trip down. But today that happens. Just in these few months, today that happens, and people are retested almost immediately and isolated at the same time, and it's accepted. That wasn't even accepted just a couple months ago. So to me, I sit there and go, okay, not only are we getting better at testing, but people are beginning to learn to live with COVID in a safe manner.
0: Right, right. I mean, some of these things of... You know, you were exposed. You waited a few days and you got tested and you were negative. They still want you to isolate. I mean, that's silly. You know, but it's a question of people starting to understand what the risks are and really how, how small they are, uh, for the vast, vast majority of people. Um, but you know, it, it's, um, it's like anything else. We tend to overreact to everything. Um, as humans, you know, some guy, tried to put a bomb in his shoe. Uh what is it 25 years ago now? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago? Whatever it was. And we're still taking off our shoes at the airport, you know? Um it's and just starting to learn to uh to adjust to some of these risks and not overreact is really uh just as people it's just it's very hard, I think um for humans to 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 adapt to those kinds of things. So um, cruise is a competitive industry. Um, you guys are part of the cruise industry, but in a lot of ways, you know, a very, very, very unique product. Um, are you offering any special booking incentives, offers, promotions right now?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, typically, you know, value for us is really in the experience, right? And that's what our guest yeah. focuses on. But during this time of COVID, just as, a, you know, different, more assurance, we're we've been putting out a $100 deposit. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we get ten lattes uh, and uh, per cabin, so that's one hundred fifty bucks per person. That,
0: that is the official uh, currency of Seattle, that was That is on.
1: the official currency of Seattle. Ten lattes or five lattes per person, <sighs> uh, even even double skinnies, maybe. But, uh, <laughs>
0: but uh, the, I live uh, in Iowa. I have no idea. What you're about.
1: <laughs> but the uh, you know the, the joy about that is that it's easy for people. And uh-huh. uh, it 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 makes it easy for us, and so we have a few things out like that, you know, typical early booking discounts and that kind of thing. But the biggest uh-huh. thing that that UnCruise is able to sell is the value of of the wilderness, the value sure. of the experience on board. So we don't, uh, unlike a maybe more mass market, we typically don't have the the deep discounts like you would right. see elsewhere.
0: Uh-huh. Here's a question, actually. Um, what uh if somebody's this is this is an outdoor adventure somebody's going to come and show up for your cruise in Alaska uh what do they need to bring with them is there a lot of gear that they need to get or there's is there clothing they need to buy or is a lot of this stuff uh just already there waiting and it's a little more turnkey
1: you know it's both i mean mm-hmm. certainly when you get on board the boat we're going to have you know muck boots and life jackets and hiking poles and Wetsuits and that type of thing for snorkeling, all that's going to be on board. But we also really encourage people. You know, you're going to be most comfortable in your own gear that fits sure. right and all this kind of thing. So we, uh, you know, we're, we we carry the boots that they need. But there's still some people that bring you know their own muck boots or hiking boots. Um, you know, hiking boots. We almost always, if they're really into hiking. Uh, the yep. hiking in Alaska is very steep. It's not measured in miles. It's measured in elevation. And uh-huh. uh, so, you know, we, we want them to bring that kind of gear. But really, they don't have to bring a whole lot, you know. Uh, they have uh, got a good good rain parka, good rain pants are always a good idea in a rainforest. Uh, okay. But even that's on board the boat. Uh-huh.
0: So, and I assume there's a lot of, uh, plenty of advice and packing lists and, if you're not sure what to buy, you can call and and uh, and get and get some expert help.
1: Yeah, and you know, the uh, I will tell you that the biggest crisis people have are the boots.
0: Mm-hmm. Do
1: I bring my own boots cuz boots are you know, they're sizable to pack, right? So,
0: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I I hear you.
1: <laughs> we even have videos uh on, you know, w- why you should or should not bring your own boots, and it's uh, it's kind of fun to go through that with people, so they really understand what a, a rainforest is like.
0: Well, I've got I've got a back tip on that one. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I hate to check I hate to check back.
1: Yeah, me so, too. I am
0: very much a big backpack and roller bag when I travel. And the funny thing about that is, you know, the backpack is a personal item. I have never been questioned on the size of my backpack, and I have abused the heck out of the airlines on that. <laughs> I hope there are no airlines listening. And here's the thing: you can take your boots and you can tie them on to the outside of the backpack, so they hang behind the backpack, and they will. You will never be questioned on that.
1: Yep, they don't take quite fit. There. You untie them and stuff them in next to it. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. um So yeah, no, it's funny. The um The more that I've I've been with, you know, hiking with native Montanans or native Alaskans or you know those kind of folks, the more I see that their hiking boots tend to be tennis
1: sneakers. (laughs) That is more the trend
0: um, for us. uh, You know, it's the water's like hiking out in the muskag in Alaska. It's like the water's going to end up in my boots anyway. My feet are going to be wet. I may, you know, and I'll be uncomfortable until I'm numb. I may as well just wear tennis shoes.
1: Well, what we have on board are um, either extra tufts, the real high muck boots, or or a similar brand. And uh, so it's if you're topping those, that's a, that's a deep hole.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I do have a, a a particular skill that I can always seem to find that deep hole on, on any hiking. <laughs> <public>. <laughs> uh,
1: once again, we find common ground.
0: Yeah, or or common common soggy ground. I don't know. There's yeah. a joke in there somewhere. But <laughs> uh, okay. Any well, let's, let's. Oh, here's one one, last, one more question for you. Um, once we're well past this pandemic, say we're two or three years out in the future, what kind of permanent changes do you think we'll see in the in the cruise business, in the onboard experience, um, in how you run your business, and are there any like important lessons that uh, that we can learn long term from uh, from what we what we're going through?
1: Well, you know, I think the first thing I would say is really about us as a people, all peoples, and that uh, I hope the day comes since after going through all this that none of us ever travel sick again. Just period. I, I don't want to ever be on an airplane with somebody sick again or somebody going on a long trip at a lodge that came there sick. I hope and pray that we are done with that. We'll all be healthier. Now, the specifics of UnCruise, you know, they're simple things. Uh, I think the days where, you know, we used to have morning buffets for folks so they could kind of wake up at their own time, we're going to do all plated service going forward. Our uh, All the alcohol is included on our trips, on some of our smaller boats, that was self-service. You know, those type of things are going to go away. Um, we'll still have free alcohol, but it will be served, Right. Sure. Um, so many of those things I see as great tune-ups. We have uh, what looks like a uh, one of our crew members wearing a Ghostbusters outfit that wanders around the boat every four hours and atomizes the air with with the, or the surfaces, very similar to what they do on jets, uh-huh. and that's going to stay. Um another thing that's going to stay with us is we've added more expedition staff to get people out of the boat off the boat more, have more meals on shore uh kind of camp style and this kind of thing throughout the day and what that does is right now that helps be smaller we're in smaller groups throughout the day right eight to twelve people tops and um but what that does in the future. Is it's small group, but it's more small groups. It's out more, more doing more what people want to do. So, you know, I actually look at this and kind of go, "Wow, you know, these are these are great ideas for the future." Why why didn't we think about this ten years ago, right?
0: Yeah, it's um, you know, it's interesting that uh, you know that old saw about uh, the Chinese saying about the word for crisis and opportunity is the same. You know learning uh to take uh, what you can take out of it uh for your personal life and for your business you know i've got uh my goals at home are i'm you know working on the diet working on the workouts and practicing my spanish every day you know it's uh, where do i wanna be when this is when this is done and the lessons that we can learn from these things are really uh um are really important um speaking of that any uh besides not traveling sick any other overall cruise and travel advice or just life advice for our listeners
1: you know i think just hanging in there uh we're all feeling very pent up right now and uh you know i've got my sanctuary sundays that i'm i'm doing up in the mountains but i i think uh Just hang in there. I think we're at the cusp of, you know, things starting to really open up as we get into the spring, and uh, I I just look forward to to starting up again and being out there with folks.
0: Your lips to God's ears, as they say. Dan, thank you so very much for sharing your experiences with us. This has been, uh, I really enjoyed this session today. Uh, My guest has been Dan Blanchard, CEO and owner of UnCruise Adventures. To our listeners, thank you so very much for spending time with us today, and thank you very much, Dan.
1: Thank you, Bob. Look forward to uh, hopefully getting out on the trail with you someday.
0: I uh, would love to do it. Um, I'm Bob Levenstein for Cruise Compete, and this has been the Cruise Compete Podcast.